Recorded live at Talks and Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. Welcome to the Talks and Tastings Podcast. I'm Bullhagen. I'm Berg. Welcome to the show. So, uh, let me get our beverage out Yeah, today. so you brought the beverage this time, so I'm a looking little, forward to it. A, l- a little word of explanation here is... Uh, is I'm getting tired of winter. Are you tired of winter? I'm definitely tired. It's of getting winter. to the point where with me, it's it's really hurting my feelings. I'm not lying. Like this makes me sad. I look out the window and I think, you know, like it said something about my mom or something. It's it's bringing about this this odd, very odd anger and rage and resentment. So you brought a light lamp for us to. So so uh, I wanted something a little more tropical. Okay. Something I've never had before. Nice. Something like it makes me feel like uh, I'm uh, on a beach south of the border. Nice. So uh, here you go. I got us each a can today. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> Guava nectar from concentrate even. That, well, I mean, I'm sorry I can't foot the bill for for a non-concentrate guava extra or nectar, but. Contains 18% juice. Rock on. That's, that's, all right. Let's do this. All right. I know it sounds like beer. It actually is guava ne- nectar. <laughs> yeah, not bad. Not bad. Yeah, it definitely has a uh, uh, a third world feel to it. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Never had that. It kind of makes it feel tropical, doesn't it? It, it sure does. It makes you feel like you're on a beach somewhere. and Like on the set of Castaway. That's right. That's right. Talking to a volleyball. Indeed. Yeah. Like a like a seminarian trying to prepare for a date. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we got some uh, response from a from a listener. Uh, Vicar, would you like to read read the email from him? All righty. Here we go. Hey, Claire Claire's great podcast. But Saint Paul is my homeboy. He's responsible, as inspired by the Holy Ghost, for most of the New Testament. He calls himself the least of the apostles so he belongs first. Also, he deserves props because much of the book of Acts is about how Jesus made him suffer for the sake of his name. He won't boast in himself, but I'll boast in what God did through him. So, yeah, Paul, not Peter. Wait, 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 stop there, Vicar. So he's he's arguing with the fact that, remember I ranked the apostles, I had Peter number two, or Peter number one, uh, and uh, he thinks uh, Paul should be number one. Right. Yeah. First of all, by the way, he says he. I'm going to object to his reasoning a little bit. He says that uh, that uh, Paul should be number one because he considered him least. Okay, I'm going to. Here's the thing: the problem with that. Okay, Paul knew the game. <laughs> he knew what he was doing. <laughs> he, he's kind of like the kind of like the, the guy the, the the Lutherans who sit in the back thinking, well, you know, I'm going to be the least. It's because then maybe sitting in the back that the people will think more highly of me. You I, know, really. If, if, <laughs> Are you, are you casting a aspersions on St. Paul? <laughs> so just simply, oh yeah, he's the greatest because he said he was the worst, the least. I mean, oh, Paul knew what he's doing. You can't just say, oh, he must be the greatest. Because otherwise, you know, you know, oh, I, I, I'm the least. Yeah, know. but I mean, you know, Peter, I guess, you know, with that same reasoning, uh, pa- uh, uh, Pastor Mueller, you could also say, you know, Peter gives Paul props by saying, hey, you know, this guy is really smart. Right, and there are some things that he's written that are hard to understand. So, <laughs> so I, you know. I hear. How about let's settle this way, okay? If you really think that highly of Paul, which we all do, all right, then uh, then uh, maybe we should make Paul number twelve. 
<laughs> Are you going to argue with Paul? <laughs> I'm still looking for Matthias on this list. Oh. Oh, yeah. Him. <laughs> he didn't I, He didn't even get hardly an honorable mention. Uh, we talked about him. A little bit, yeah. So. And uh, any more? anything else he says in uh, his uh, email? Yeah, sure. So he, he continues here. Although I would concede that Peter should be second. Also a great loser for Christ. I'm drinking Diet Coke and smoking my pipe on my way between the parishes I serve. Actually, I'm sitting in the cemetery right now emailing you. Fun times. I'll keep listening because you guys are funnier and shorter than Chris Roseboro. Blessings in Christ, Pastor Mueller. Well, well, thank you for your kind words. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and keep listening. And other people, other listeners, we love getting responses. It's fun for us. So please, you can get a hold of us at feedback at clericalerrors.org. Or you can find us at Facebook um, and uh, all over the place. So Also at Twitter, you can add us, bro, That's as right. you're fond of saying. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll send some Twitter bombs out here before too long. So, Speaking of interesting, what are you preaching on this Sunday? Oh, well, I would thought I'd preach on uh, the gospel reading. Okay. And uh, in that gospel reading, I have this reading right here in my hand. Oh, That's preparation. Boy. I'm really prepared today. Nice. And uh, in that, uh, uh, Jesus predicts his, uh, predicts his death. And uh, that's apropos time because we're heading into what? Hey, Vicar, what season of the church year are we going to enter? Uh, Lent. Ding, ding, ding. Very good. Hey, the uh, buffering is getting much better. Did you do a software reboot of some sort? Uh, y- yeah, occasionally. You know, they're kind of slow releasing the updates, but we try. So I would say before we, we continue, our Hey, Vicar app has uh requires us to do terms and conditions uh for us to continue using the app and so um before we can use it uh vicar is going to tell us what the terms are and con- conditions are so um if you're listening at home listen very carefully i don't want to waste a lot of time on this we, it's just a like a legal formality that we have to do in order to use it so so here are the terms and conditions Hey there, Vicar 15.0 here. Just a quick word to all our listeners. A sort of updated terms and conditions, if you will. As you've no doubt figured out by now, much of this podcast involves joking around, giving each other a hard time, and whatnot. Everyone on here is sort of a caricature of themselves in the real world. Part of that involves giving the stereotypical oblivious Vicar a little bit of a hard time now and again. Please be assured that this is all in good fun. None of it's serious. And, on the off chance you think what I get is rough, remember that Pastor Bullhagen has to endure every single rough draft of my sermons. That's no small thing. Anyways, that's all I've got. So click accept, sit back, and enjoy the show. Hey, Vicar, blink twice if that was said against your will. Well, that doesn't help because <laughs> no one can see it. <laughs> <laughs> Not only can no one see it, but ever since he got here, he has this nervous twitch. <laughs> so <laughs> so we, we want to believe that that was all voluntary. So That's right. And by the eighth way. commandment stuff, right? He, he came up to the microphone. He spilled his juice box all over the place. He made a mess. He's, uh, I don't know if this is going to work, Vicar. Why don't you uh, go back to coloring, okay? We'll call on you when we need you, all right? I know we have these terms of of agreement and all those things, but we'll work on that. So, and by the way, we were just talking about the Bible before you rudely interrupted with these legalese things that we're supposed to do. So, um, what are you going to preach on, Berg? First uh, Samuel uh, and 14, which is uh, the Old Testament reading for this coming Sunday. And it's where Samuel goes and uh, anoints David to be king over Israel. And it fits really well with the text you're preaching on because God doesn't see with the same eyes that we see. Oftentimes, like, 
both Samuel and the disciples, our eyes are blinded by the things of this world, by things like wealth and money and power. Uh, we want to be winners. And so we forget that um, God sees things differently than we do. So very good. And it's, uh, you know, I'm sorry, what were you talking about again? <laughs> we haven't gotten to the, you know, to the uh, ADHD Bible study yet. So, you know, um, <laughs> Old Testament, um, God doesn't see as we see. Okay. And Samuel is kind of in the same boat as the disciples are, right? Because these things are hidden from their eyes, that the natural man doesn't uh, understand the things of God. And even the, uh, even the elect, even believers, uh, oftentimes are hardened to these things. And they look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Because if you think of, of Christ Jesus, if, if, if God were to send his son, you wouldn't expect him to send him as a baby like he did. And you wouldn't expect him to, to send him in a way that he would suffer and die like he said he would. Yeah, it's like Isaiah 53 says, right? That there was no form or comeliness about him, right? That we should, that we should love him and we despised him. So that brings us to our top 10 list. You mentioned David. He's actually on here. Top 10? Oh. Why do I do that? We're better than a top 10 list, aren't we? We are. We are a top 12, 12 list. Peter, play the intro. Enough nonsense. It's time for Bullhagen's Top 12. <laughs> All right. So so last time we did the 12 apostles, and that was a pretty good ranking system. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. So so as you grab your, your beverage and, and listen to this podcast, our top 12 list, the uh, last one was a little more biblical, you know. The right. first one was not biblical at all. No, but pretty pretty righteous. Right, right. This is kind of a little of a mix between the two. Now, I know it's uh, after football season, right? Okay. Were you a football player? I was. What position yeah. did you play? I was on the line, so. You are beefy. I am pretty awesome that way. Yeah. So. And, uh, and so a lot of people, our listeners, I'm guessing will have more of a male audience. Maybe not, you know. We are here for everyone, but because people are missing football, uh, I thought maybe I could have uh, the top 12 biblical figures that I would pick to be on my football team. Nice. So if I were- Like a a biblical fantasy football team. Right. So if I were a general manager of a football team and I I had to draft from the pool of biblical characters- Nice. You know, who would I pick from? So here we go. All right. Number 12. Well, probably the least important- uh, position that everyone doesn't really give credence to, but you have to have one as a, as a kicker, right? I don't know. When it comes down to the wire, I mean, you want a good kicker, right? Right. So so uh, uh, my number 12 uh, player is Adam because okay. uh, he, he has one of the greatest punts of all time. <laughs> <laughs> I actually got that idea for Peter. <laughs> I like it. I almost went with Jonah. He had some punts. He had a pretty big punt too. But, right. Uh, you know, when 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 God approached Adam, you know, what have you done? What right. did he say? It's my wife. Yeah. Just this wife you gave to me. Right. So obviously it's your fault. Right. Would you consider that's one of the greatest punts of all time? Yes. The first and the best. So now we have a kicker. Nice. Number eleven. Now, if you are are uh, down by six points, a few seconds on the clock, about 50 yards away. What do you need? Tell me. You need Mary. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. You need you need a Hail Mary, right? Right. So so obviously we need she's going to be our, our number one wide receiver, the one that'll be you know snatch that ball out of the air. Mm-hmm. So uh, so Mary uh, is, is uh, number eleven on the list. 
Nice. Number 10. The Prodigal Son. Okay. The Comeback Player of the Year. Nice. I like it. Um, <laughs> he uh, you know, had a rough upbringing, you know, rough rough time, but but now he's back. And he's ready to go. He's a comeback player. Right. He and, started off pretty good, and then he had those years of uh, winching and the like, and then, uh, but now he's back. It's like jo- Johnny Manziel if he came back to be a good player, you know. Nice. And and one thing he has that you want every every player on your team you, you got to have at least someone on your team that has a ring. Right. Nice. And I, uh, I like that. And uh, wh- does a, where did the prodigal son get his ring? From his dad. From his dad. Number nine. Now, one thing you need on your football team is you need some beef up front, right? Indeed. You need someone who's going to be able to to push through and and, and give you some open holes for the running back to run right. through, right? So, uh, for me, I have Elgon, the, the Moab. Nice. <laughs> well, there's some. T- I mean, that's not just beef. I mean, that's the whole cow right there. That's right. That's right. <laughs> the guy's so fat. Right. <laughs> that when uh, Ehud puts his sword in him, he uh, the fat sucks in the sword. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 another thing too is the way he begun the football team is is he's got that nastiness. He doesn't care about anything about it except you know imposing his will on the other side. Right. Now now there's a downside to Elgon. He has a, you have to make sure he's uh, up against a righty. He has trouble with left-handed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> because because he was killed by Ehud who is the left-handed judge. That's right. Nice. Uh by the way, uh uh one of our previous uh vicar, he actually preached on uh, his Lenten series was on the judges and uh he actually did a Lenten sermon on that very story. Nice. Number 8. Now one thing you need is you just need some speed, right? Okay. You're going to have a football team, you need someone who could run. Right. Who can tighten his belt and just book it down the field? Mm-hmm. And uh, I have Elijah for that. Okay, right. He ran in front of Ahab's chariot. I like That's that. right. Nice. I mean, he was he was booking it. Yeah, yeah. He was he had some it. speed. Number seven. Now, uh, you need someone on special teams who can who's got some height to him, right? And so uh, I have uh, Og. Okay, with the big iron bed. That's right. Uh, um, he was destroyed by the uh, by Moses. Og and Sion were destroyed by the Israelites. Um, they were Amalekites, and the children of Israel settled their land east of the Jordan. So uh, I have here that uh, that that uh, he was actually about that he was about ten feet eight. That yeah, that does sound about right. He was a big guy. Yeah. So if you imagine you're trying to kick a field goal, place that guy. <laughs> Denied. Denied. Number six. Now, this this particular uh, man, he's known for his elusiveness. He's known for being a little bit of a trickster. Okay. You need that on a football team. Right, right. He's got a great reputation as a wrestler, believe it or not. Okay. And I, I know I'm picking up what you're putting down. And uh, the problem is that there is a concern, and that is uh, I'm worried about the health because he's got a hip problem. Hopefully that clears up by the time he plays. <laughs> right. But uh, uh, my uh, number six player is Jacob. Nice. Uh, yeah. What do you think about that? That's a good, uh, yeah, that's definitely a good representation of the man. His name is actually a wrestling term. You know, he who grabs by the heel. Right? Oh, yes. Because he grabbed his brother Esau's heel when he was coming out of the womb. 
And it also uh, would mean like usurper, right? Because mm-hmm. he actually usurps uh, the firstborn's right in a couple of different ways. Right. So, so uh, and uh, how did he get his reputation as a wrestler? Well, he wrestled with the man uh, of God um, on this on the side of the Jabbok uh, before he goes to meet his brother after like 20 years uh, with his uncle Laban. Uh, and here this man is the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. And when Jesus sees that he's losing, uh, he pops Jacob's hip out of out of, out of its socket. <laughs> but Jacob won't let go of him until he blesses him. And, so. and and he gave him the name Israel, which means he who strives with God. That's right. So he is number six on this. What do you think of the team so far? I'm liking it. You like it? Yeah. This is like uh, what the '79 Dolphins. That's right. So they're, they're going undefeated. Right. Number five. Now, every good team needs a good hands player, right? Okay. You know, for in case there's a squib kick. Right. Or, a, you know, a offside kick, or you just see someone with good hands. Right. So, uh, from number five, I have the, the six-fingered Philistine. Nice. I like it. <laughs> six where, fingers on each hand and six toes. Where did you, did you pick him up from, like, uh, Second Samuel or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so... Uh, Who killed him? I think it was Jonathan. Nice. Number four. Now, every every good team needs a, a good cornerback, right? Yep. Someone who's got a little, uh, is going to say what's on his mind, mm-hmm. right? And uh, um, early in his career, this, this fellow, fellow was really known for uh, denying anything that was thrown his way. Nice. And uh, so uh, number four is the cornerback, uh, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. When, when the heat is on... The ball's coming. What is he going to do? <laughs> He's going to deny that thing, right? Right. And right. another thing about, I like about <laughs> I like about Peter as a cornerback is a not quarterback cornerback, right? Is uh, the fact that he's he's got a short memory. So if if one gets by him, it's not going to bother. It's all good. Him. He's he's just going to he's just still going to go after it, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, his uh, his his pressure, his impulsiveness, all those things will be on full display. Uh, tracking the quarterback, making sure those balls don't get through. Righteous. Number three. This one's kind of an obvious choice. Goliath. <clears throat> Tell me more. Uh, great measurables. How tall was he? I think he was a little shorter, though, than uh, Og. But uh, I, it depends on how you measure the cubit, whether it's, you know, 9 feet or 11 feet. So, But that guy was a stud. Right. I mean, he was good. Now... The knock on him is he's a little slow afoot. Okay. He's not not quick. He's not very elusive. I mean, he's just going to get in the way. Mm-hmm. You know, if you need something agile, that's that's not him. Right. But if you need someone on the line, imagine having him and uh, Elgon next to each other. I mean, it's that's pretty, pretty formidable. Right. That's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah. Number two. The reason why I like this number two, <laughs> the reason why I like number two is is – there's the obvious reasons why you would like this guy in your football team, but just the thought of his hair flowing beautifully out of the helmet, nice, just okay. uh, is very appealing because you you know you need someone. So Samson, who uh, now I'm not gonna lie, he has some off the field concerns. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. and uh, and uh, you know the referee is gonna throw a lot of flags. He's getting a lot of personal fouls. He's not going to follow the coach's instructions very well. He might actually kill members on your own team. Right. Um, 
but uh, but uh, he would, I think, he would be an amazing football player. What do you think about that? I agree. And number one. Do you know who number one is? I'm going to go with Jesus. Well, uh, Notre Dame would probably agree with you. <laughs> with touchdown Jesus? Yeah, I just couldn't quite go there. <laughs> well, you know, you know that old hymn, right? Drop kick me Jesus through the goalposts of life. <laughs> I, I would If they were playing on water... Yeah, I mean, you know, he he would do a lot better like, on on water. Um, he would be great in the 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 after win celebration. You know, you have all these jugs of water lying around. Mm-hmm. You need, you know, um, but uh, but the guy I have as number one. First of all, what's a cornerstone of every every football team? What do you have to have? You have to have a quarterback, right? right. And you have to have a quarterback with a deadly arm, mm-hmm. laser uh, accuracy, right? Okay. Has to show some elusiveness as well. Yep. Another thing about a quarterback is, you know, the really good quarterbacks are kind of good looking. They're handsome gentlemen. Okay. You know? Like ruddy and ham- handsome? Yeah. Like, okay. Well, I'm I'm uh, I'm going with David there. Nice. Okay. I, I can see that. Yeah. He's got, uh, mm-hmm. he's got a good arm. He's got a great arm. Yeah, just ask. Uh, at, at age 17, he was already killing lions and bears. Yeah. I mean, you know. Which, I mean, those aren't great football teams to kill, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who couldn't beat the Lions and the Bears? <laughs> the Browns. <laughs> I mean, even the Vikings beat the Lions and the Bears. <laughs> <laughs> They're the worst. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, he has got some experience against Lions and Bears already. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, he's not afraid to stand up to the, the bigger guys. Right. And uh, I think he would be a, a great uh, number one pick, starting nice. quarterback. Awesome. And so tell us what you think. Uh, write in. Um, we've got a Twitter account. We've got fa- a Facebook page and the likes. So Yeah. Add us. We've, we've got all the social media. We're on top of it, man. That's right. All right. Moving on to Berg's Bodacious Blasphemies. Peter, play the intro. Berg's Bodacious Blasphemies is the part of the show where Berg seeks to sell you ancient damn delusions by repackaging them for modern consumption. In short... Berg makes bad stuff sound bodacious. All right, this blasphemy comes from about 1,700 years ago, roughly. This comes from what we call the Donatists, okay? They were a group of Christians in North Africa that uh, were really, really strict and really, really rigorous. And so when people started falling away from the faith, um, they basically said, well, uh, you really can't be Christians anymore. And this was especially important uh, when it came to pastors. So I picked the craziest of these Donatists. They are called the Circumcellians, okay? So that's kind of the background here. And they would go around with clubs and beat people up and take their prop- property and stuff <laughs> and, like, try to get martyred. Okay. So, those are kind of the two things here that, you know, they didn't really believe in property or student debt. Sound familiar? <laughs> only, only they uh, only they were religious about it. So Okay. So, here we go. Do you hate the government? Do you think that the gospel isn't the eternal righteousness of the heart, but also levels the ordinances God has ordained? Do you not want to pay your college loans anymore? Then the circumcellions might be for you. The Circumcellions, or the Agnostici, were a militant heresy relying heavily on violence, and their main concerns were righting what they deemed as social wrongs. 
Those in this sect condemned property and fiscal servanthood and advocated canceling all debts. Think of a religious AOC and Bernie Sanders with clubs. See, they don't like blades due to Peter's injunction to Peter in the garden. So they have clubs they lovingly call Israelites. So you too can go around and beat people up saying, Laudus Deo, praises to God. And that's not all. Since they thought that dying for Jesus was the best, they tried to put in an express line for themselves. They would pick fights with Roman soldiers so that they could be killed for Christ. Who needs to turn the other cheek when martyrs are so chic? To join this illustrious group, just grab a club and play whack-a-mole with your neighbor's skull. Then rinse and repeat until you go down in a hail of bullets from Johnny Law. Wow. You know, I'm glad you did that because I I feel like I get a better handle of how to handle the vicarage program. You know? Are they pretty militant or? No, it's just, if I had a club. <laughs> Speaks awfully, carry a big stick. That's right. That's right. So, yeah, there are really two issues going on here, and we see it a lot in progressive Christianity today, right? Mm-hmm. That um, they believe that the gospel uh, doesn't just have to do with the heart, but that it is supposed to externally change things, right? So things like marriage go away, right, because marriage is patriarchal and bad. The government goes away because that's also bad, right? Um Economics go away because you have things like masters and servants and the like. And the servants never want to be servants. Right. Right. Uh, We see kind of a similar thing going on with the Anabaptists in the 16th century during the Lutheran Reformation. Um, And so you see a lot of these things popping up today. And we can see some parallels with this uh, with some of these groups today, like uh, Occupy Wall Street or the hippie movements or... um, Antifa, right? Because they use violence in order to push their progressive agendas. And, and it, it's okay as long as it fits their ideolo- ideology. Right, exactly. And so these would be secular um, comparisons, right? They wouldn't come at it from like a religious perspective, per se, but more from their secular ideological viewpoint. So, so I have a question. So that's such an extreme thing that they were doing. Mm-hmm. That uh, you you mentioned that they were kind of the most extreme extreme group of the Donatists, right? So how do you get from in just a few hundred years from where the apostles taught to how extreme they were taking it so quickly? Mm-hmm. Was there like a stepping stone that they took, or I think a lot of it had to do with the really severe persecutions that had happened like a generation before um, the the Roman government really cracked down on Christians, and a lot of Christians uh, fled during this time um, into hiding, or they would have um, uh, forgers basically make these um, these little certificates for them saying that they had sacrificed to, to pagan gods, and some people out of fear just sacrificed to pagan gods. Okay, mm-hmm. So the question is, what do you do with these people uh, after the persecution ends? What do you do with them, right? You just forgive them all and, you know, Bob's your uncle and on your way, right? Mm-hmm. And this was the big debate that was going on during this time. Um, because if you're going through such extreme times, it's going to be a natural tendency to want to have people around you that you can trust. Right. Uh, and so it's no wonder that people gave in to their, um, you know, baser, really into their carnal uh, feelings on this 
and they began to set themselves apart. Uh, what we really know the Donatists for is they really went after pastors who had fled or hid during the persecution. And they would say, well, they can't be pastors anymore because they're evil. They should have stood and with, they should have stayed and withstood temptation, and they didn't. Um, think about uh, the stuff that goes on today with the Roman Catholic Church, with the sex scandals there, and the same thing with the Baptists, right? Mm -hmm. Think of how many people are saying, well, is everything they did bunk? Right. right? So these same questions keep coming up uh, in our personal experiences. Where does, where do the sacraments get, get their power and their efficacy? From right? the Word. From the Word, right? And uh, But at this time, they hadn't really been through the fire yet in order to really parse all that out. And think about it. Way too many people, they base way too much of their stuff on their pastor, you know? And if he were to fall or do something uh, that's not right, um, their faith would be very shaken. Right. Right? Um, so it's always a temptation, especially if you like your pastor and he's your friend. Right. You know? Because um, uh, look look behind the collar, I can say um, that uh, pastors are sinners. Right. Yeah, we're definitely not perfect. And uh and if you were if you were if you were saved by my person, you'd all be damned. Yeah. You know, that's why we put our faith and our trust in the word of God, which does these things. And uh, one thing I also find interesting about this discussion is is on the one hand, it was kind of self-preservation in their minds that that brought about this this strictness. And uh but when you actually look at from a historical standpoint, and you look at places where Christians are actually persecuted, it is the ones that hold to the true gospel that actually are the ones that survive. Mm -hmm. If you go to, to, I remember speaking to a, a bishop from uh, Lithuania, a pastor from, from Lithuania, and uh, they were under communist rule, and, and uh, when uh, the wall came down, and they were so excited, you know, we're, you know, all the pastors at one point had been sent over to Siberia and all sorts of places, and then the 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 wall came down, and and they are oh I can't wait to, to meet all our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ in Germany and all these places in Europe, and guess what they couldn't find fellow Christians that were faithful to the word right. of God, and they were wondering well where do they all go? Right. And uh, he said to me something very interesting. I said, well, why is it that these Lutherans who held to the gospel were able to maintain through communism? And he said, simply because those the, the, the true gospel was really the only thing that was worth dying for. It was the only one thing that, you, you know, if it was just about a theology of glory, you're going to preserve yourself. If it's another kind of theology of liberation, all those things, at some point it's going to just succumb to 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 the power but if it's in a, a life everlasting a kingdom of god won by jesus blood by his death and resurrection then certainly in the midst of persecution that is what's going to stand and I, as i look at the the way churches are are now and as we look at christianity in our own country as a whole uh, in many places i don't see christianity not holding up because they've left the gospel I see a lot of places where Christianity isn't going to hold up because it's all about rights or it's all about feminism or sexual freedom and all those things. And if that's what you're building your church on, when persecution comes, you're not going to stand. Right. But if it's on forgiveness of sins, if it's on the death and resurrection of Jesus, it's about the life that he gives and, and the fact that you will live again in the kingdom of God, you will raise up from your graves to be with him, certainly then you don't have anything to fear. Just like the disciples, after they saw Jesus rise from the dead, they didn't have anything to fear. 
Mm-hmm. And so while the, uh, what, was, what was the name of this group? The Circumcellians. The, the Circumcellians. They had another name too. That was the Agnostici. And this word, you would think it would be the same as agnostic, like someone who's not sure if God exists or not. But the word agnostici comes from a different Latin word, which means to fight. They were called fighters. Now, whether that was because they thought of themselves as fighters for the Lord or because they had to get in fights because they were taking people's stuff right. is kind of up to, for debate. And I think the, the, I think the lesson, too, for us is, is, is this. You know, a lot of churches go through a lot of crazy things in order to self-preserve. Right. In order, we have to make these changes or else we're not going to survive. Mm-hmm. And usually what happens is the opposite. They hand in the gospel. They hand in the truth for the sake of just self-preservation. Right. Self-preservation for its own sake doesn't really do anything. Exactly. And it's interesting that you bring up self-preservation because these guys uh, actually wanted to get murdered. That's the second point here, is that they thought that being martyred was the highest Christian virtue, right? And so what did they do? They would attack Roman soldiers, uh, hoping to get cut down so that way they could go to heaven right away. Right. And I think that's the other ditch we have to avoid. Right. That sometimes we can be so far for uh, self-preservation apart from the gospel. And the other way is to be too quick uh, to uh, uh, enter the kingdom of heaven. Right. That we can be too quick uh, to take up a cross that God hasn't given us yet. Right. You know, Um, because, uh, you know, I hear people say stuff like, well, I don't want to be here anymore. You especially hear it with the elderly. Right. Oh, all the time. Right? Yeah. All the time. And it's like, well, guys, that's not your decision to make. Right? Mm-hmm. God imposes his crosses where and when he pleases. And the problem with this group is they thought that being martyred uh, was the best thing. Well, sometimes martyrdom isn't just about death. Sometimes it means suffering for the faith, living for the faith, confessing the faith in the midst of scorn and hatred. Right? Think of Jesus. It's not Jesus didn't, Jesus waited, right? Even yeah. though he was the king, uh, he waited 30 years until his baptism before uh, he was uh, sent out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Right? And, or, or you look at Paul. You know, imagine if he his goal was to be martyred, he wouldn't last very long. Right. <laughs> Think of all the things he went through. Right. You know, shipwrecks, jails, stonings, you know, you name it, he went through and he eluded it. He escaped it. He was not trying to be killed because the word of God needed to be proclaimed. Right. He wasn't afraid of suffering, and yet he didn't go and seek it out either. And so I think that's the thing that uh, we we shouldn't be we shouldn't be too quick to avoid God's crosses, but we shouldn't be uh, we shouldn't be too eager either to die because God might want us here and use us here for His glory and for the salvation of others. So. All right. Good job. Good discussion. That's yeah. what we do. All right. All right. So moving on to our uh, our uh, impaired, attention-impaired Bible study, right? That's right. Peter, uh, wait, what are you supposed to do? Um, play the intro. Do you have impaired concentration? Then this is for you. It's the Impaired Concentration Bible Study. One verse, one verse only. All right. Now, uh, that music still makes me happy, Berg. It does. It warms the place where my heart should be. So, uh, uh, one verse, one verse only. And uh, I would love to tell you what was in verse one and verse two, but Berg, why can't I? 
because you got to go listen to the other podcasts. That's right. If we said three verses, that's... It's defeated the whole purpose. Yeah. And so uh, I will go ahead and read the verse. It says, verse 3, not chapter 3, because there's only verses in Obadiah. There's only one chapter. And it says, The pride of your heart has deceived you, you who live in the clefts of rock and your lofty dwelling, who say in your heart, Who will bring me down to the ground? So I have a feeling they're going to be humbled, Berg. Yes, yes, they're going to be humbled. It's interesting because what God does here is he plays off where they live. And where do they live, Vicar? Do you know where the Edomites live? Um, crags? Yes. Any particular crag? Like Crags List? Oh, man. Those updates were really good. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Edomites lived on Mount Seir, and they took this land from the Horites, who were cave-dwelling cave people. And so they lived in these caves, and they used them... Uh, in order to stage their ra- their raids and that sort of stuff, because mm-hmm. you know, I mean, caves are natural fortresses, right? Is is this where uh, the hymn "Rock of Ages" came from? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's interesting here the disparity, right? Because they trust in their high and lofty crags, but God is going to put them down. So. Really, what would our lesson be then? It would be about pride. Right. I think like last time we talked a a lot about pride in general, Mm -hmm. but this one would be pride in our physical security, right? That we trust so much in our our homes, our self-defense, in our guns, or in our stocks, right? We, We do all of these things in order to protect ourselves, right? And then those things make us happy. Yeah. Because we trust in them. And when we don't have those things, when those things are taken away, uh, then we become very sad and very despondent. And so who really is our God, right? In what do we really trust? It's much like in the Gospels. Who was it that was seeking out Jesus? The rich young man. Well, that wasn't necessarily oh. going there. Okay. But I was thinking of, of the fact that the people who, when they didn't have the securities that we are used to, if you didn't have the security of your good health, Right. Could you imagine going three days without food like some of these people did, like the feeding of the 5,000? Yeah. Right? I mean, these people willingly went without food to hear God's word. No, no, I have, having four children, I have heard many times that our house doesn't have anything to eat, but uh, there was plenty of food there, <laughs> canned peaches and whatnot. Right. Ramen noodles. But but uh, but uh, you look at the people who, I mean, even in the gospel reading that I had it here and I threw it behind me in, in a fit of anger and rage not too long ago, <laughs> but uh, of a, a man who was crying out, have mercy. Right, a blind man. Yeah, he's blind. Who, you know, who in that day and age had to beg because there was nothing for him to do. There's nothing he could have done. Right. And and so in his blindness, when the security and, and the pride of uh, and the physical things that he had was taken away... He was left with, I know Jesus can help me. Right. The ten lepers, you can, the woman with a bleeding problem who just wished to touch the hem of his garment. Right. You know, the paralyzed man who no longer had his health and they lowered him through the roof. Uh, uh, or even if you went outside of the physical stuff, you went with, you know, uh, the tax collector, Jesus went into his home. Mm-hmm. Or you, you talk about uh, um, 
the prostitute who, who anointed Jesus' feet and wiped it with her hair in and, and love and thanksgiving because the security of her own, her own righteousness was not there. She couldn't claim that. And so the grace and mercy of Jesus was just there right. for her. And so when, when uh, all those physical stuff or all the things that we take pride in, oh, I'm going to be okay because of this, this, and this, in the Bible, in Jesus' day, when those are taken away, uh, they understand Jesus in a real way. And so I think there's a lesson for people who are going through those things. Right. There's a comfort. And there's also, I think, a warning here, too, for those of us who would trust. Because I think that's part of our problem. We have way too much stuff. Mm-hmm. And speaking, you know, looking behind the collar, you know, I go through times where I'm, I feel really anxious or sad about things where... I worry about all sorts of things that any human would. Right. And uh, it does really allow me to teach me to the trust in, in what God has promised to me mm-hmm. and to trust in his mercy for me. And and I'll be honest, maybe you could you could have people look behind your collar. When you go through those times, doesn't it make you a better preacher? It does. It does. Yeah, I, uh, you know, actually for me, I I love... It's kind of nice not having any, you know, really not having anything. It's there's a certain freedom to it because then you can just rely on God's daily bread. It's the stuff that I have mm-hmm. that I that I worry about. It's the stuff that I have and don't want to lose. Right. When you don't have it, whatever, right? You know, God God'll take care of me, but it's the stuff you have. Right. You know. Yeah, my wife wants to save money and get rid of dish and I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> oh, that's going to hurt. I don't want to do that. Is there any other way? Can I get it? You know? Yeah. Right. So. And so she talks about YouTube TV and it's just slow. It's just not, you know, when you have ADD, you like to flip channels fast. Right. You know, you, you just go boom, boom, boom. What's that? Oh yeah, that's cool. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> and then like YouTube TV loading. This is what's on. Oh. Well, you know, you need to work on those pythons. Maybe you should do some push-ups while it's loading. Then you'd be like super ripped. What do you mean? <laughs> I'm, I'm offended. <laughs> All right, we're going to, after the show, Berg and I are going to have a little competition. <laughs> I know you're a football player. All right. Oh, a wrestling match. Oh, man. The per- producer piped in our earphones. Hi, Peter. He per- uh, piped in that uh, maybe we should have a little wrestling match. Oh, boy. That That will be coming. That will be... That will be when our show has tanked. Well, pay-per-view, pay right? right? This is how you're going to pay for Dish. Right? It's kind of like the radio host who kind of starting to lose listeners and he gets a tattoo on the air. It's like jumping. This will be our <laughs> jumping the shark. That's right. Yeah, when uh, the Fonz jumped the shark and kind of ended <laughs> happy days. Uh, that's uh, a beautiful image for our younger vi- uh, listeners. Um, have your mom or your dad, your grandparents explain that to you. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Berg. That was That was good. Good discussion. And that brings us to our next section, News That Bothers Berg. There's fake news. There's real news. Then there's real news that Berg wishes was fake. It's time to hear News That Bothers Berg. Your last one was pretty good, so I'm, <laughs> I'm excited to see what you come up with this time. If I could find it, I might have. I have to say this guava nectar is pretty tropical-y. <laughs> All right. We'll do it live! <laughs> 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 
All right, so um, the news that bothers Berg, okay? Now, I have certain things that uh, bother us for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Last week, I think it was the you factor. Yeah. Yes, yep. Where uh, a woman makes Julie out of her friend's breast milk. Oh, that's still so grody, man. Ugh. <laughs> and so I, I went with a, a different direction. I, <laughs> I hope this isn't a grenade. I hope this isn't a buzzkill. <laughs> I guess we'll see. Okay. But uh, I think it's, the reason why I wanted to bring this up is because it actually fits with what we talked about earlier. Is And it's something, yeah, our show is lighthearted. And yeah, we, we have fun and we joke around and make football teams out of biblical figures. But uh, there are some things that in life that I think really should bother us, but don't. So this is uh, from uh, ChristianHeadlines.com. And it's uh, from February 25th, 2019. Uh, Nigerian Christians this month prayed that national elections would bring leaders who who can stop Islamic attacks on them by killing Bobo Haram extremists and Muslim Fulani herdsmen. Because uh, these Muslim herdsmen uh, attacked a church wedding that killed 12 people. Mm. And and, then there's a a statement here. Um, We are to pray that God would use a process to give a country good and godly leaders at all levels and that every evil plan against Nigeria be frustrated, he said that God would stop all groups from the killings in Nigeria and their financiers so that 2019 should be a new dawn for Nigeria. Um, Christians there are getting attacked. Mm-hmm. Muslims uh, see Christianity as a threat. And uh, now it's like I said earlier, it's not the ew factor. Right. It's something that really should bother us. Mm-hmm. Would you like to any more any words on that? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, it's not unexpected. I mean, St. Peter tells us in chapter 4 of his first letter, right, that uh, do not be surprised when fiery trials overtake you, right? Mm-hmm. Jesus tells us that the world is going to hate us. Uh, it doesn't make it any less sad, especially at a wedding, a wedding where um, God is joining a man and a woman together in holy matrimony mm-hmm. for the preservation of the human race and for uh, mutual love and companionship and the like. It really is, uh, it's not surprising. It's just, it is really terrible. And, I, I, you know, if you, you you read, you know, what Paul says, Paul would actually mourn for people like that. He would rejoice that they're in the kingdom of heaven, but these things would bother him. These, because these are our brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a, the blood of Jesus that is thicker than any, any familial blood. Mm-hmm. These are really our brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, we lost family there. Right. I mean, we will see him again, but but these are our family that it's happening to. And uh, you don't see much news coverage on it. We should weep when they weep, and we should rejoice when they rejoice. And, yeah, it really is. Um, and that's that's the problem is because these things don't— the media doesn't want to talk about these things because they hate the church. The only thing that they'll ever do is— Talk about uh, all of the terrible things that happen, yeah, surrounding the church. Yeah, when 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 something bad happens, <clears throat> when when some someone slips it's, up, it's like the March for Life. The only reason that even hit the the bandwaves now is because of that uh, uh, that whole run in between the Covington Catholic School and uh, that Native American chief, and that was all spun to be a lie. Right. 
you know, when we hear we hear Christians being the persecutors. Right. Right. In our own country. And that's see. And this brings us up to a different question, too, is what does it mean to die well? Does it mean being 80 years old, 90 years old, dying in your bed? Maybe. Um, if you're a Christian, if you believe, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you believe, that's what it means to die well. Yeah. And so these people who died are blessed, and they had a good death, mm-hmm. and they will they are now enjoying paradise forever and ever. And, and going back to your discussion earlier, these aren't people who are seeking out death. Right. They weren't seeking out to... to uh, to be martyrs, they were getting married. Right. They were looking to start a life. Right. And now it's ended, at least an earthly life. Yeah. So so uh, I hope you didn't mind that uh, little more serious turn on news that bothers Berg. No, um, it was good. I, Because it's coming. Right. And it's already here. Only we're too calloused to realize it because it isn't like this, because people aren't coming to our weddings and killing people. Ours is much more subtle in this country. Right. Our persecution. Yeah. And and that, I guess that's kind of, it, to let you in on a secret about this podcast is we kind of want to let you in by having fun. Mm-hmm. But every once in a while. <laughs> right. It's the bait and switch. <laughs> we want to we wanna drop this on you. And, uh, and so... Uh, and so I know you maybe are thinking for for an ooh factor or something like that, and more of those will be coming. But but as Christians, there should be a bunch of stuff that bothers us, and uh, and we should pray for. Moving on to confound the clerics. Confound the clerics. So the question is uh, that we received is from uh, a question that we get sometimes is about the catechism. Vicar, what's a catechism? Um, let's see. Catechism. It's like, um, catechism, 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 like a a book of simplified teachings. Um, (laughs) all right. Basics. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Where's that club? (laughs) I need that club. Right. I've become a Donatist real quick. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to become all circum... Circumcellian? I'm going to get all circumcellian on your rear end. <laughs> all right. So the question is, is, is it... why why use the catechism when we have the Bible? Right. Right? That's the question. Um, and I think there's a little something... You need to almost take a step back and say, well, there, there's almost a thought in that question about... Um, that these two things are at odds, right? Like the Bible on the one hand and the catechism in the other. And one is God's teachings and then the other is man's teachings is what there is kind of the thought process. Right. And that's not the truth, right? Because everything from Luther's small catechism, even though it's called Luther's small catechism, is actually like straight from the Bible. Like the Ten Commandments? Where did that come from? Exodus 20. Okay. What about uh, the Lord's Prayer? Uh, Matthew chapter, well, it's in the Sermon on the Mount, so five through eight. Okay. Right? And, uh, but what about the Apostles' Creed? I, I don't think I recall reading the Apostles' Creed <laughs> in the Bible. Right. Well, the Apostles' Creed is like the cliff Did you just notes. Belch, by the way? No, I was trying to <laughs> stifle a cough. <coughs> um, 
Well, um, <laughs> the Apostles' Creed is simply a synopsis or like the Cliff Notes version of the Bible, right? Because it just goes through like, hey, look, God the Father created the heavens and the earth. Right. Anyone who's read the Bible isn't going to disagree with that. Mm-hmm. Or that Jesus was born of a virgin, that he suffered under Pontius Pilate, that he was crucified, died, and buried, right? So it teaches the Bible in an organized way. Right. And so that's the first thing, right? That it teaches the Bible in a very, very uh, concise and simplified way for children, right? For children and for the simple. The other thing I think that makes a makes the catechism a really nice way to teach the faith is this question. Well, how much of the Bible do you have to know to be saved? Do you have to know who killed the six-fingered Philistine? No. Why not? It's in the Bible, right? Or um, do you have to know uh, who the Antichrist is in order to be saved? No. No, but it's in the Bible, right? right? So this is the thing. It's like, okay, well— Unless, you know, so you can be a real legalist about the Bible too and say, okay, well, I need to know all of these things. Well, no, right? What does the Bible want you to know? Well, it can be summed up in John the Baptist and Jesus preaching, repent and believe in the gospel, mm-hmm. right? Um, the Ten Commandments. This is what you need to know in order to know what God's will is. It's what you need to know in order to recognize your sin and it's what you need to know so that way you can do good works toward God and toward your neighbor. The Apostles' Creed, right? You actually need to know that God created the world. Uh, you need to know that Jesus was born, that he did die, and that he was raised from the dead, because otherwise our faith is in vain. And you have to know how this forgiveness <clears throat> that Jesus won you is delivered to you. Right. Through the Holy Spirit, who forms the Holy Christian Church, which is the communion of saints. And in that church, you receive the forgiveness of sins. And what does that lead to? Everlasting life. Everlasting life, right? So that's the thing, is that prayer. Prayer is both commanded by God, and it is also, uh, God also promises to hear it. So Mm -hmm. Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. The sacraments. Jesus tells us uh, to baptize all nations in Matthew 28. Uh, He tells us in... um, uh, first, in, in um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and St. Paul, that uh, he has instituted his supper, that is, the bread and the wine, and uh, when the words are spoken on it, uh, Christ's body and blood are in, with, and under it. And he says, do this. Mm-hmm. For all these things, he says, do this. Uh, he says, baptize. He says, uh, distribute the Lord's Supper. He says, forgive sins. And that's what the Office of the Keys is all about. Also in the Catechism. Right. And so... So one thing is it it uh, it kind of helps us focus because you know how many religions come from people just reading the Bible and saying well this I think this is what it says but there's some almost what I call checks and balances that it's tested you know when when the Scripture teaches these things you, you know you look at the Catechism everything is verified through through careful study of the Word that it teaches what the Bible does and so so you could miss things on your own you could have different focuses, just like uh, uh, the group that you talked about earlier that I still can't remember the name of. Circumcellions? Yes, right. That uh, they focused on one thing over and above. Well, could you imagine teaching the Christian faith to someone who knows nothing about the Bible or Christianity or anything, teaching the Christian faith through the book of Revelation? Right. That'd be insane, 
right? That that would not work. Another thing that I think is really good about the catechism is this. You know, you talked about earlier about how pastors uh, deliver the word of God. It's not the man, it's the word. Mm-hmm. And uh, what are some things that the, the people sitting in the pews can do to ensure that the pastor is preaching what the word of God says? If they don't know the catechism, if they don't know the essential teachings, it would be really easy to mislead them. Right. But there is a way of saying, okay, you know, because the, the catechism... <sighs> Because the catechism is so clear, and mm-hmm. it teaches it so concisely, it gives the people in the pews the opportunity to say, you know what, I want to make sure my pastor is preaching and teaching that word that I learned in the catechism. Right. So, for example, if your pastor says that baptism just gets you wet, you go to Matthew 28. Jesus mm-hmm. told us to baptize all nations. You go to Mark 16:16. 16, 16, right? He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Titus 3, right, that uh, that we are regenerated through the washing, right? Mm-hmm. That uh, And then Romans 6, right? So within just that one section, we have all of these beautiful foundational texts for the sacrament of baptism that you can just read verbatim out of the Bible. So that way you don't have to go looking all over for it, right? This whole thing, this whole catechism is based on the Bible. Now, Pastor Bullhagen, should we just stop with the catechism? No. Oh, of course not, right? No. But we should continue to enrich our understanding by uh, not just learning the catechism and reviewing it, which we should all be doing on a daily basis. But the, the catechism then you use to help you understand the other parts of Scripture. Right. So, for example, if you're reading the story of Abraham and the sacrifice of Isaac, if you, when you're reading that, what, where would you put it? If From were, Genesis chapter 22. Nice. Good. I'm trying to do it like you do. I'm not as quick as you. But. <coughs> nice. Um, where would you put that in the catechism? I would put that in the second article. Okay. Why? Because uh, it is a foreshadowing of, of God offering up his own son, that God provides a lamb of sacrifice for our sins. Mm-hmm. And so because Jesus fulfills that, God gave up his son, who, uh, in a sense, uh, Isaac died and rose and it said, you know, yes, was, Hebrews says that he received his son back figuratively, right? Right, and and how Mo, uh, Abraham believed that even if he were to sacrifice his son, he would be raised from the even if repeat that so the coffee so even if Abraham would have so that even if Abraham would sacrifice his own son, he believed that God would raise him up. So it would be the second article for me. Right, you could also put it in the first commandment. Right, that Abraham was willing to, and he feared, loved, and trusted in God above all things, even more than his son. Right, mm-hmm. um, and you can do this with every uh, history of the Bible. Right, mm-hmm. and when you read these things, you should be like, okay, this is written for my learning. This is written for my encouragement. This is written for, for me. Okay, right. this is why God, uh, through His Holy Spirit, inspired. Uh, prophets and apostles to write these things down. And so going back to the catechism in that very story. So so then you look at that story and say, well, then does that mean we should be able to sacrifice our own children or whatever? No, because what does the catechism teach? You shall not kill. kill. Right. In the fifth commandment, right? <clears throat> and so we just, uh, and this is why too, uh, with the special commands from God, right, that uh, uh, pop up every once in a while in the scriptures, right, we, uh, yep, Okay. Um, 
we, uh, we go back to it, right? What has God given to us? And he's given us the Ten Commandments, right? Yeah. He's given us, uh, he's told us to pray. He's told us to believe what his son has done. So, Well, thank you for the question. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, we'll be sure to ask more questions and we'll get those, get those on. And that brings us to our final section. Sticky notes. Sticky notes. So, uh, <laughs> do you remember when this happened? Uh, we want to be winners. And so we forget that um, God sees things differently than we do. So, very good. And it's, uh, you know, I'm sorry, what were you talking about again? <laughs> we haven't gotten to the, you know, to the uh, ADHD Bible study yet. So, you know. Um <laughs> <laughs> Vicar's not so amused. <laughs> what about this? Uh, my number twelve player is Adam because okay. uh, he he has one of the greatest punts of all time. <laughs> Actually, got that idea for Peter. <laughs> I like it. Right? Wouldn't you consider that's one of the greatest punts of all time? Yes. Now we have a kicker. <laughs> <laughs> And we can't forget about this. But the guy I have as number one, I'm going with David there. I, I can see that. Yeah, he's got, uh, mm-hmm. he's got a good arm. He's got a great arm. Yeah, just ask. Uh, at, at age 17, he was already killing lions and bears. Yeah. I mean, you know, which, I mean, those aren't great football teams to kill, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who couldn't beat the lions and the bears? <laughs> the Browns. <laughs> I mean, even the Vikings beat the lions and the bears. <laughs> <laughs> They're the worst. <laughs> all right thank you for listening to our show this is pastor bullhagen this is pastor berg thanks for listening to claire clairers thank you for joining us this podcast is available on itunes google play or wherever else you get your podcasts if you enjoy the show please support us on patreon at patreon.com slash clerical heirs podcast money we receive is invested back into the podcast and the surplus donated to the lutheran heritage foundation questions thoughts concerns you can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash clerical heirs podcast, on Twitter at clerical heirs P for podcasts, or email us at feedback at clerical There you can also find links to the things we talked about. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time. <laughs>